Ava Talks, inspiration for creating a sustainable and fulfilling life. Hello and welcome to our podcast series dedicated to discovering new, creative and sustainable ways for making choices that empower you to live a happy and meaningful life. In our today's conversation with our special guest Eva Wiprecht, director of the International Virginia Satir Institute of Germany, we share with you extraordinary insights about how context, roles, rules, group identity and situational validation shape people's behavior. We refer to the Stanford Prison Experiment, Milgram's Experiment and Heroic Imagination Project led by Stanford professor Philip Zimbardo. Enjoy! Hi Eva and welcome back. Hi Alina, nice to see you back. You were just sharing with me a, a very interesting experiment that Philip Zimbardo did. And I would invite you to tell us more about this uh, experiment and share it with, with the ones that are listening to us. Yeah, thank you. You know, I've been um, really contemplating on this old experiment. It's a very old experiment because I've been noticing so much of division continuously happening in in my society here in Germany. And I'm, I'm thinking I'm actually kind of observing it throughout the world that there's such a split and such a division and so such a polarity. And I'm so concerned about that, but also curious as opposites are also the units that are the psychological units. So there's you know, a, a connection of opposite that will actually harmonize and unify. So there's a positive aspect to it, but it's also right now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of tension. Philip Zimbardo, actually, I met um, some years ago at the Evolution of Psychotherapy Conference, which is, um, I think they call it like the Woodstock of psychotherapy because you have all the, you know, influential people in that's a very interesting name. Is it? Yeah, yeah. I, well, the, the nickname is um, the Woodstock of Psychotherapy, which I find really cute. But what you find is like Aaron Beck, you find Philip Zimbardo, you find, um, you know, Jeff Dyke, who's organizing um, the whole event. Then there's um, also the newer, um, highly influential psychotherapists like Do- uh, Dr. Esther Perel, but also the old names that, you know, Yalom that I know from the books, you know, that I've known from the standard literature and psychology, and, and he, they're all there at the same time. So Zimbardo is one of the keynote speakers, and his lifelong research project has pretty much all been about good and bad. And one of his latest book is talk. Uh, is, talks about the Lucifer effect and Lucifer basically as the metaphor for Lucifer having been originally God's favorite angel. And uh, Lucifer has challenged God and um, about his greatness. And in the challenging, he actually then was disgraced from God and then became the devil. So there's some obviously metaphorical interesting division between the angel and the devil so zimbardo um, had in the 70s this idea 
um, also reflecting back on his history where he grew up. He was he came from the Bronx, poor, and he noticed that the same context in the Bronx would either be an attraction for kids to become drug dealers and do um, become violent and others finding a di different road. So informed by his, by, by his history, but then also he has a, a Jewish, um, he's of Jewish descent. So there's some threading of connection of his interest. And then obviously informed by the Holocaust, he had this curiosity, is it possible that context could shape bad behavior of good people? So the question was, um, is it possible that really nice, decent people that have a nice family, that are maybe even students that are fighting for peace, we could put them in a specific context and then change their behaviors, that they would do maybe very ugly things? That was the question. And then that became the prison experiment that was done in the 70s. And it was um, quite... Do, do you want me to share a little bit about the... Please. Yeah. So the, the way this was set up was as a, as a young Stanford professor, he said, let's create a context where we want to um, create a prison. And it was almost like a play. It was almost like a role play. It was done. The, the initiative was for two weeks. And um, they even began before the experiment. So as there, there was an announcement saying we're looking for students who would like to, to be part of the experiment. And then they were um, auditioning them to divide them either way to prisoners to the, or to guards. And after that, that was done, interesting enough, the whole experiment began before they were coming to the prison. And then there were the real setup of a prison and, and you know, having people put there to, to experience. But it began before because actually the one who were um, volunteered as the prisoners, they were picked up without their notice. They were picked up by the police, the real, real police, and then send off into prison. So it already began before, before the experiment to make it real. They, re they wanted to make it real. And Zimbardo was the um, research professor. And what happened there was that within, I think even a day, maximum 48 hours, the prisoners, because of the behaviors of the guards that were starting to be really humiliating and they were, you know, talking, not, not just talking down to them, but torturing. They really became the guards. The guards became the guards and the prisoner became the prisoners. The role play stopped being a role play. It became real in that setting. And within 48 hours, the prisoners had breakdowns like really good functioning, good psych, you know, psychologically put together people, had nervous breakdowns. The guards became more and more brutal. They had more and more brutal ideas, especially in the night shifts when there was no observation because 
Zimbardi was the one who was researching it. So during the day, he was there and, you know, with video cameras, but then at night, not. So there were more horrendous things happening at night. So without the observational eyes, which was known, more things are happening. What was really interesting was that Zimbardo, without his own re realization, became the director of the present. He lost his observant quality of researching because basically after the first day, they proved right. There was no need to carry on the experiment, but it did carry on. He let it happen. Luckily, there was a romantic connection there was a young student who was in the, doing her master's degree and he had a, Zimbardo had a romantic relationship um, with her. And she was kind of in the system, but also outside of the system because she was involved. She knew about the whole experiment as they had a relationship. And she basically said, listen, you are not a director of a prison. These are not guards. These are not prisoners. These are young boys, and you are responsible for these boys. She, she started to change the language, because in the languaging of that's this group, that's this group, everybody became that. They completely identified, including Zimbardo becoming the director. And she said, you're responsible because this is your research project, and... If you continue this experiment, you may not be the person that I take a like, that I took a like that I fell in love with. So I may reconsider this relationship. They got into a big fight because he was so absorbed into the whole experiment that they had a, a big challenging fight. But he said, I realized then, and I stopped the experiment, I think within a week they ended it. It was supposed to be two weeks, but it ended within a week, uh, which was way too long anyways. And that's something he's been now reflecting, looking back at this 40 years later, um, that he said, I cannot believe that I let it happen, I let it continue for such a long time, because after day one, after day two, we had the evidence we were looking for but I allowed it to happen and carry on because I became part of that. And luckily there was a courageous young woman who I had a strong relationship with and she anchored me back into what was really set up because it was an experiment. And that allowed me to, to let it go mm -hmm. and to end, to finish the experiments because we had the evidence we were looking for, which means very good people put them in specific context can do everything on the spectrum of horrible behavior that you could possibly imagine or not imagine. And it's the context that has shaped that behavior and made that possible. Then they unpacked the factors that would allow that to happen. And now, luckily, because that was my curiosity, now he's actually studying for about 10 years. What's the flip side to that? What allows people to stand up and not be part of what's predictable? And what, what's the result so far for that research? What, what do you know about that? 
Um, well, what I know about is, um, first of all, the, the criteria he, 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 he gathered for what, what allows people to, to behave in this terrible way was we need to create a closed context. So we have a closed group in this part. In this particular case, it was a prison. We need um, to dehumanize people so they become roles, guards, prisoners, numbers, so depersonalize it. The way you do it, you put them in uniforms. You take away their personal clothing and then put them in uniforms. So it's another way of dehumanizing. And you need to have an authority that says you're doing something for the greater good. Basically, the belief is the idea is we're doing something for the greater society, for the greater good. And in that service, I may have to do also violent behavior, but I'm doing it for the good. And you're not responsible. I'm the one who's responsible for it. So you don't take responsibility. Um, those were the main criteria that allowed those horrible behaviors to take place. And then dehumanizing languaging. And the other side, though, is, as they were studying what he then called in the study of the last 10 years, heroism. So the heroic people... And, and that's based on the metaphor of um, Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. And, and, and so, he, again, he's, 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 think, he's talking about symbols and metaphors. So the heroic possibilities based on Joseph Campbell's studies, he calls those people who have still an outside reference. In this particular case, it was this young woman who knew about the experience, but also had an outside reference. She was not completely part of the system, but a little bit outside. She was outstanding. She had the courage. So there was an inner courage and an inner urge to talk with him about what you do is not right. And she also had the capacity to language in a way to say, these are not prisoners and these are not guards. These are boys. So she was also capable of adding information in that was not available to that system anymore to, to actually bridge new, new kind of information, say, hello, you know, you, you're, you're a Stanford professor, you're researching, you know, you're, you're, you're not what, what you imagine you, you to be. You're not a director of a prison. That's just a play. So get out of the play. Hello. So she was able to give a kind of a shaking up, kind of a wake up call. There was a strong relationship between the two. So he was willing at some point to listen and to kind of like wake up. And he said, I don't know what got into me, but I, I really woke up to that. And um, then they also researched um, people, for example, there, I, I don't know if you remember that, but in New York, there was one example where a man tripped in front of the subway and would have been killed, but there was a black, beautiful man who kind of noticed what was happening and he threw himself onto the rails, but there's a gap in between, right? So he like threw himself on top of the man and that was in New York, I think, and, and they were both, he was on top of him, say, supporting him to make sure he's safe. And um, they were between the rails and then the train was running over them. 
And I mean, he didn't measure the, the, the distance, but what happened magically was that I guess the two men on top of each other in this gap, they're about 51 inches or something like that. And the gap for the train was at 52. So it was like a little bit extra space that allowed them to safely stay within the gap and the train was getting over. Then he was interviewed how it was possible to do these heroic things. And what did he say? He said, everybody would do that. There's, the, there's not, so there was, he was actually pointing out to, I had to do it. I was supposed to do that. So, so he actually kind of points out to a stronger force that he was aligned and connected with, like almost like he was guided by the God's hand and saying everybody would do the same thing. There's no question about that. So there's, he's pointing to some alignment, to, to a connection to something greater than himself and, and just being in alignment to that and, and having the duty to do that. And every, so, so he himself did not think that was a heroic thing to do. And by the way, the same thing also happened in the Milgram experiment where people get, you know, in this experiment, people were um, attached to, a, they, they were supposed to do some task. And then the other, the other experimental group um, was giving them shocks if they gave the wrong answer. Mm. And again, there was also an authority that basically just repetitively said, continue the experiment. Um, you know, we're doing this research. And every time there's a wrong answer, the shock would increase. And then at some point you would hear screaming and yelling on the other side. By the way, the 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 people who did the experience they didn't see what was going on so they just saw okay we're oh, we're we're increasing the shock level people were not at harm it, that was all role play too but it sounded pretty real and most of the people were following the instructions but there were a percentage of people who said um, that's wrong that's unethical that's not okay I'm not going to continue that. So they were able to resist the authority. And they were able to say no. And that has really become the interest more and more of Zimbardo's study, luckily over the last decade, to understand what does allow people to, to stand up. The ones that are doing it, it's just in them. They just had to do it. So now I think the curiosity is, is it possible to teach that? And they've done... Um, some programs around teach educating um, schools in, in schools educating kids about standing up to a bully you know or helping when they see somebody else get bullied so that they would stand up and say hey what you do is not okay and um, stop that behavior so they're educating different skill sets through those different experiments for kids to learn the skills to be heroic. And I love that. I think that's a great um, research project and it's a great study. And it's, they have an organization that's called um, Heroism Project, Imagined Heroism Project, which I love. That's a very interesting pro project idea. And I think that kind of shifts a lot of the a lot of the old patterns, thinking patterns and behavioral yeah. patterns that um, a lot of us are, are dealing with these days. Yes. 
yeah some as heroism is um something that uh, a lot of times is misunderstood or unknown territory yeah as authorities are are manifested in so many ways yeah from early childhood even that's true adulthood yeah that's true yeah thank you Eva, for sharing with us this uh, very insightful experiments and we'll definitely get into more depth about that really interesting play or interplay of what is good and bad and how does that manifest into our daily life yeah yeah let's let's all be heroes so thank you for that conversation too discovering and of communicating and relating to how one feels about certain situations and certain engagements yeah that that's very insightful thank you for sharing us these practices and thank you also for the idea of bringing into the space the serenity prayer and the value that it can bring to all of us looking forward to seeing you next time yeah me too thank you it was great and that was our today's episode of our choices series let us know your opinion about the topics we touched and make sure you share it with the people that would most benefit from listening to it. To be sure you are not missing out on important topics for you, simply subscribe to our channel and get notified when new episodes are released. Until next time, stay healthy, centered, connected and committed to design the life that you want.